and I will now meet Sina and Linus. They are members of the group Safely in Love. And in the times of the novel coronavirus, it's very important to protect yourself, not only during sex, but during a talk in the inside. So I'm going to wear a mask because I'm treating patients with the coronavirus and I want to protect myself and protect the others. Hi, thanks for having me today. So Hi. let's talk about sex. <laughs> Tell me something about your work. So what are you doing? In Berlin, we're a group of like 30 to 50 people um, and we go to a class four of us or five. Um, we are in a class for four or five hours without the teachers. So it's a peer-to-peer -peer concept. Like our first time is not that much time ago, like the teacher's ones maybe. And um, we're, we're just gonna be there for one day. And just think about different cultures. If you take a look to Japan, they are afraid that if they have very much sex education, that there will be an increased number of unwanted pregnancy. In Germany, we want to have a lot of sex education to prevent unwanted pregnancy. So, so what's true? We think that um, education is better. And we think that um, when we do the sexual education, um, we're trying to provide uh, safety for the kids and um, to, uh, talk with them about um, sexual health and um, pregnancy prevention. And um, I think that is a lot better mm -hmm. than uh, not doing it at all. Can, can you give me some questions you were asked during your sex education? Often the question is asked if, um, if you can get pregnant uh, when you have anal sex. We try to like, use questions like this to first say you can't get pregnant while you're having anus, uh, anal sex. Um, because there's no connection between the anus and the uterus, so you can't get pregnant. So that's a very scientific point of view, but I can imagine that there's a lot of giggling inside the class, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, we often laugh too, and uh, obviously the kids are like, oh no, uh, they're going to talk about sex. But then usually at some point they're like, oh yeah, um, I have this question and I really want it answered. Um, but sometimes kids are just not interested and um, we always say, okay, if you want to take part in this, you can, but you don't have to. Oh, that's okay too? Yeah. Okay. So it's not a typical classroom situation then? Exactly. What about STD, sexual transmitted diseases? Is this an issue too? Yes. Um, there's sometimes the question um, if you can get uh, HIV, for example, if you kiss somebody that's HIV positive. And um, we always respond with, um, no, you can uh, drink out of the same glass as somebody that has HIV. You can kiss that person um, to get actually uh, the viral, viral load for um, HIV that's going to possibly infect you, you. You would need to drink a whole bathtub full of spit. Oh, it's Kind of disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> we also use this to like work against stigma of being an HIV positive person. There's always um, some people that ask, oh, can you get pregnant or can you get HIV if you swim in a pool that somebody ejaculated in, for example? And no, you can't. The same is um, you cannot get pregnant uh, from having oral sex, for example. So let's talk about contraceptives. The situation with the penis inside the vagina. What can you use for contraception? So there's different ways. Uh, you can use the ones with give you a barrier, for example, the condom for male or the female condom. 
Well, I think nearly everybody is familiar with the use of a condom for men, but what about a female condom? What is this? Uh, the female condom is for a person who have a vagina. You're, close, you're pushing this down part together and insert is this in like the this. vagina. Okay. Yes. So this is inside the vagina then? Yeah. And, and, and why is it better than a male condom? It's better because you can decide for yourself to use it. You're not, you don't have to depend on the, on the other part of the man. So, so what else can you use? Well, you can use condoms and a female condom to also prevent STIs. Then you have uh, the diaphragm. This sits uh, on top of the uterus, basically, and holds back the sperm. And then you have um, hormonal contraception, so the pill, for example, or a hormonal implant, um, or the vaginal ring. All of that, well, this is implanted usually in the arm, and then uh, the vaginal ring are, uh, is inserted uh, and um, it emits um, hormones. And then you also have a copper coil. The copper coil sits inside the uterus. So this is going to be implanted by your doctor and it keeps you relatively safe for about five years. We must not forget that sex can be a very, very nice and fulfilling thing if it's consensual. So let's talk about consensual sex. Uh, what's your experiences in the groups um, you're talking to? Uh, I think the most important part is to remember sex is always consensual. If it's not consensual, it's not sex, then it's rape or um, it's something that you have to ask for, you have to give permission. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, is it just that you have to give permission to, to others or is it that, that you have to give permission to yourself, that you're ready to have sex? Uh, we have a method called the traffic light. Uh, we use for, for the youth, uh, it's about if you're ready in your head, in your heart and belly and in your genitals. So, you ask yourself, do I like that person? Can I trust that person? What do my friends say? Um, is this person going to hurt me? Um, what does my head say? What, what are my thoughts about this person? And, and if you take a look at your partner, is it okay just to watch for the signs that your partner's penis gets hard? Or do you have to ask for consensual? No. Um, so we t teach the kids that uh, it's important to communicate and always communicate. Um, I think there's a lot of times when you have sex where you don't talk that much because you're caught up in the thing, but it's actually very important to, to talk about it. Okay. And it's okay to say no? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's sometimes that you are in the middle of it and then you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to have sex anymore. And then you just communicate and you're like, okay, stop, I, I don't want it anymore. And then the partner has to stop because it needs to be consensual. So. Every, in every situation, both need to agree that, okay, it's right to have sex right now. During the whole time. If I would now say, well, in my partnership, something is not going all right, so, so I think this is non-consensual. Um, is there any help I can get from, from a third party? There is a lot of uh, yeah. advisory yeah. places where you can go to. Uh, I'd recommend to talk to older ones, which do have a much more experience and um, you can for sure just talk to your partner as well about things if you're unclear or unsure. Um, you can talk to your friends, to your colleagues, maybe a, 
your family, um, depends how close you are with them, or maybe your cousins and someone who's a bit further away. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, but there's also organizations that specialize in that. So you can also get professional help if you feel like you've been raped or um, it is not consensual. Um, I think a lot of people have an inner representation how the sex life should be. And in the times of the internet, there's a lot of pornography going on. So maybe pornography is shaping our sex life a bit. What, what do you think about this in, in concern to consensual sex? Um, it's always um, difficult because you have these expectations from pornography and then you have your own sex life. Um, we have a method where we um, let the kids draw a romantic scene on a piece of paper and then we tell them, okay, we're, uh, let's make a porn scene out of it. So then um, they're going to draw cameras and lights and everything. And then they're like, oh, no, it's not romantic anymore. This is not sex. And then we say, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it's just two people that are paid to, to have sex and there's cameramen and there's everything around them and it's all scripted. This is not how real sex works.